This is Caroline. This is Paul. And this is Mike. Welcome to Conversations with Eliza, your unofficially official next podcast. Tonight we're talking about file number eight. It was written by Zachary Ryder and Nicole Glantz and directed by Joe Chappelle. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, how are we doing? Welcome back. Ready to unpack this episode. See what comes next. Uh, I see what see? you did there. I see what you did there. That's the least clever pun in the history of puns. I feel like this was very much a chess setting the board kind of thing for the finale, mm. uh, which when we heard that they were going to air the finale in two parts on the same night, episodes nine and 10 on the same night, this episode made more sense because this felt very much like a let's move everyone into final positions kind of thing. Literally a, a gambit with, with Ted being taken off the board. Right. But with a smile on his face, let's let's talk about the redemption arc. What did you think of Ted LeBlanc and the LeBlanc brothers riding again tonight, Caroline? Did this do enough to redeem him for you? You guys had predicted this for a while. I had been saying, I think Paul's going to take a bullet at some point and and show out to be the hero. And you guys were like, no, no, it's going to be Ted. Ted is going to be the guy and he is going to be the one to step forward. And he certainly stepped forward this week. So I'm glad that he did. And I'm glad that he had this closure because I feel like we sure needed it with these two guys. I kind of wonder, I always wonder when it comes to the construction of, of a solid season of TV, whether or not the people making it are going into it with the idea that it's only going to be that one season. And then they're not trying to overcommit their characters and their ideas to things that haven't been promised to them, such as future seasons. What I mean by that is Ted had built up sort of a Loki-esque cachet for the first six episodes, you know, conniving, sneaky, shitty. Then all of a sudden his come to Jesus worked in one go. And instead of turning out to be Loki, who would probably still do something shitty at the last second, he actually comes through solid. So where I was going with that first comment was, was that <laughs> if you were only going after one season, you'd need for that to happen. You'd need for him to just come to Jesus, period. And that's it. Conversion complete. But if you were shooting for a second go, then you might have him, I don't know, right. shit out at, <laughs> at the last right. second somehow. Right. Yeah, I, I think there's something, though, here that there's so many villains that this show could throw at you if it was going to go for two, three, four seasons. Whenever you have any kind of tech like this, right, you always have governments. You always have China. You always have our own government. You always have other competitors to Zaba. Apparently, there's a list of people that Paul was stealing shit from and, and sinking viruses of, you know, so they have enemies that they'd always be able to throw villains. So I'm okay with them doing the Ted redemption arc here in this season. Let's say it was going to go another season. I would, even if it was let's say they had a season renewal i'd be fine with doing the ted redemption arc here probably wouldn't have happened as fast though if they knew they had that next season in the pocket what he does here maybe is like an episode nine or ten versus the episode eight I will say that it's important when you come down to the family connections portion of it all that it happens now, because I'm maintaining that in nine or 10, Paul is going to end up taking a bullet and being the hero of the show here. So if that's the case, then you have to wrap up the brother storyline that they're OK again, you know, so that it can really feel like some good, satisfactory conclusion there. 
I think your idea has some legs there, given Paul has shown that he has some master plan in his mind that he's not sharing with everybody all the time. And the way this episode ends, he could have told everybody in back at LeBlanc HQ that he was going to use the panic room sneaky hole. <laughs> very true. Very true. There was no, what would have been the harm in that? Right. You could have said, don't worry, you guys. I have a back way out. <laughs> it's true. But we needed the suspense for the audience, right? He yeah. could have also said that he was going to go cut across and go off of cameras and go to the the fire stairs where there yes. are no cameras, you know, like a, a quick message, you know, but it's consistent with his character, right? He, he doesn't really think about other people in that way. You know, he's focused on the mm. macroeconomics of the thing. Like oh, and everyone's on, on a need to know basis, right? Well, everybody has a specific right. function. Knowing that stuff, I guess, is outside their remit. Their purview. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I did like that Ted, you know, in that last ditch effort uh, after he fires the gun and they're going to move in on him. I like that he snatched up the phone and, and mentioned that someone ratted out. They're, they're, essentially, there's a mole. I like that they laid that detail, too, because it didn't get a lot of traction, but it's the kind of thing that you think Paul will ruminate on now for a bit and hopefully come back and start to unravel Ben and his father, Terrence, as we learned tonight, and and that whole connection. Well, and it very much is the solidifying moment of Ted choosing his brother over anything else um, right. and, and choosing the cause, if you will. So it is his full and complete transformation to the good guys, if you will. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I think that's right. And and just as a as an acting note before we move off of Ted and the brothers LeBlanc, I, I loved the whole scene in the car with them driving. I thought their chemistry, the John Slattery and Jason Butler Harner chemistry here was really good, really convincing. Like two people who had known each other a long time, even though they've been at fight. It's the same way you could fight with your sibling and then still have like a good memory of like years past, you know, where you talk about something that would happen. I like that whole scene with them talking about driving together to the car and, and uh, in the car to work and the car smells and, and all that stuff. I, <laughs> that I, was funny. I didn't, really like, the, I didn't like carpool because it smelled. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that right. is really funny. And that is such a brotherly thing to say. I think that, you know, I give a lot of props to the writers that they have maintained that family layer, that believable family portion that is like, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to your family and what you would do for one another. Good on them to keep it to the last minute. A lot of tech shows, a lot of movies, a lot of sci-fi stuff, they'll stray from it. They'll really focus in on it at the beginning, but by the end, it's all like we got to save the whole world and you kind of lose a little bit of that. Um, but they've, they've maintained it the entire show. Yeah, it becomes yeah. a very, very noticeable B plot, you know, like. It's just a layer. It's, it's, it's always in, there. It's, yeah, it's not so important. That oh, you mean in the movies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Suddenly. Right. You're right. It just it just yeah. becomes like that. Like, yeah. And also remember they were brothers. <laughs> right. Right. I, I, well, I think the show's done a really good job of not losing sight of why is it important to stop next in the first place? It's because we have families, right? We all have loved ones that we don't want to see hurt or harmed in any kind of way. The show has done a good job of never kind of losing sight of that, which I think you're right, Caroline, 100%. Most shows lose that because they get so focused in on the gadgets and and the lingo and, and the effects and all that stuff. The show's done a good job of maintaining its heart. Even with Abby, even with Abby, you know, having the real talk 
with Shay about like, what if he has another episode, which of course, fucking Paul has an episode shooting at the door at the very possible worst time. It was actually a pretty chill hostage negotiation. He's joking. He's joking anyway with his hostages about the dollar bill and the vending machine. And he's going to make a nice contribution to their 401k plan and all that stuff. Like John Slattery just doing John Slattery stuff. And then of course he has this like the door jiggly handle thing. Couldn't you guys feel the tension like ratcheting when that dollar bill wouldn't go in though? When it was like, right, right. I was like, oh shit, he's going to have an episode. Because there was just something about it that it was like when his blood pressure goes up and he starts to feel tension seems to be the trigger for, you know, look at me. I'm like mama's special kiddos with special needs that I'm like, that's a trigger. There's an antecedent right there, you guys, because it seems like every time he gets wigged out, it's right behind it is an episode. Well, that's a stressful thing, right? Vending machine dollar I bills are a stressful, it. stressful thing. And then the second one doesn't work. And then he's like, who's the moron who, you know, created this? And then he sees his picture. I think that's actually the thing that kind of like boop over the edge is that he sees his like younger self plaque hanging next to the vending machines as a reminder of this all began because of him. He's that scientist in the Manhattan Project building the bomb, which will, of course, you know, burn the earth kind of thing. You guys, how much would it like chap your hide that they changed your office into the break room with the vending machines next to your plaque that don't even freaking work speaking on behalf of paul's um, <laughs> and you have the authority and, to do yeah, so i i have the conch this week um i have a board meeting of paul's the council falls um there's a vending machine at work there's nobody's plaque next to it but it has pissed me off so many times <laughs> because it just refuses to take any fucking money. And it's like, what is your purpose here, machine? There's two machines. There's a Coke machine, or as the Northerners would say, a soda or pop machine, and uh, a, like, a, like a candy snack machine, right? And you can you can feed the thing actual money or a credit card. But apparently with credit cards, it can actually say too many transactions. It, mm-hmm. it just says too many. I, I'm sorry. I, I can't hold any more transactions. <laughs> and it will say that for weeks. And if you do manage to you know, find that sweet spot of time when it's going to accept the 10 transactions it can <laughs> between you know resets, I go to press my, my preferred drink. It's Diet Coke. Go ahead. Laugh at me. Whatever. Who's laughing at you? But I drink you, Diet Coke. That's my drink, too. Don't worry you know, about you know what drink. comes out? Diet Dr. Pepper. What? Because <laughs> some has put <laughs> it in the wrong slot. Oh, no. I can only assume that, just, you know, he's just doing his best and he's just putting it in the, whatever he sees in that slot. That's what he puts back in there. And it's, it does, I, I, <laughs> there was one time when, when the machine refused to give me what I had ordered. And, you know, there's signs on it like, you know, don't fuck with the machines. And I go, wha-bam, wha-bam, wha-bam. <laughs> and I did get my food. <laughs> <laughs> but it drew an audience. 
<laughs> which was not really what I wanted oh to do. Oh my god! Like, is everything okay in here? Yeah. I mean, I got one Twinkie, one Ho Ho. <laughs> what could be better? Oh my god, Mike! It turns out that this Paul was written perfect, perfectly. Well, well I, I can commiserate though. I was in Canada for Taekwondo Canada Open about four years ago, and uh, I was in like the event hall kind of thing, and they had one of these vending machines that takes credit cards. Like you, you know, you tap your card on the thing and you swipe it, and it kept doing it and it, it kept saying it was working and then it would stop and so and then it would reset like it didn't go through so i did it i bet my card got locked i got a, i had to get my bank involved to unlock my card while i was in montreal i had my son i had a whole team of like athletes with me like i had to i had to be doing other shit than dealing with a vending machine <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like my, my fucking like you know a dollar ten canadian at a time my bank fucking locked my account because it was fraudulent activity because there was five swipes in a row on this vending machine and my bank thought some petty hungry criminal had stolen my card or something while i was abroad yeah it was a whole fucking thing no cokes like, for you yeah. pierre to the head to the head yeah so no that was me i'm in possession of my car no 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 to the head no that's a body shot no that's yeah to the head uh you know no no that's my card i have my card no no it's good it's good you know you're trying to coach athletes while you're dealing with your bank trying to get your account unlocked it was fun it was a lot of fun so fuck vending machines that is so funny well so that we can all relate to paul for sure about that ratcheting up your blood pressure and making you trigger into a bad episode where you're suddenly seeing jiggly handles if we I all get it we get if it I only had a gun. yeah if any part- one of us had a gun what would we have done <laughs> well first of all we would have yeah. shot the vending machine for sure for sure for sure yeah. yeah right at the lock uh the best part of the hostage negotiation just to get back to the episode was when he says uh he's talking all tough to the FBI guys he's like you don't want me to start shooting people and he's mouthing to the ladies he's like i'm not gonna do that don't i know me. i know i, mean, I loved all is- of his interactions yeah. with the quote-unquote hostages like i loved it i loved everything he was like you know what slattery can do no wrong okay he can't he's this just is where he's such at his sass. best yes yeah, yeah he's at his best in these kinds of in those kind of throwaway moments that almost feel improv he's really at his best because you feel like it's him just kind of coming through it's almost comic relief almost tied in with the big action piece sort of i mean slattery isn't well known in my book of knowledge i guess for for slattery acting for for action pieces but it, so it really wasn't so much action it was a little sneaky little cloak and daggery the way he had to kind of sneak around but you know what that's his personality though right like that that he that he'd be clever and that he would be like suave and like kind of like like convincing and charming with the ladies to keep everybody cool and calm that's totally how slattery does action he's not going to come through like you know swinging on a vine tarzan style you know but he is going to slip slide around and know that building yeah he's more sean connery you know roger moore james bond than you know uh a pierce brosnan or a daniel a, craig a great uh, yeah daniel craig kind of james bond yeah. <laughs> none of them are daniel craig he's brutal <laughs> he's rough let's move over to the the other family drama that was really highlighted this episode shay and ty and ethan and now apparently ty's mama but only mama which was interesting because he always said he was going to his parents' house. And she played such a little, small, tiny little role. I was actually kind of like, I guess, you know, our idea that they just had to separate Ty and Shay was really the main thing because the parents didn't really play that big of a role, you know? I, I know. I, I picked up on that, too. But I think the idea of what I was picking up was that Abuela Salazar's house was like the analog house. Right? I mean, when was the last time you saw a TV with rabbit ears? 
sort of, sort of the analog house. I mean, she she complained to Ty about taking apart her webcam. That she was like, "Why'd you take apart my webcam for?" You know, so I so she did have tech in there, um, and he was setting up the rabbit ears in order to not be using the digital stuff. Because like they couldn't sure. get it going. Yeah, but he also jokes to Ethan that she also uses dial-up, which I don't know that you can use video calling software with oh, a dial-up connection. Lord, no, you're you're, you're <laughs> bong bong <laughs> kind of like you know uh, dial. I don't know that you're getting your Zoom call in that way, Grandma. That's but really funny. Yeah, no, I just thought it was really funny. We'll have to ask uh, yeah. uh, Manny because he might know the answer to this. What? Remember, remember Chet? Yeah. Okay. Back when I oh, we can with, ask Manny if he knows Chet. No, back back when I worked with Chet, Chet Mike for your benefit was a guy that I worked with who is super nerdy about entertainment technology, like TVs, stereos, that kind of stuff. And he gave a shit about this stuff in a very like kept track of it kind of way. There was a point in time when broadcast TV stations switched to digital, mm-hmm. and he told me at that time that they were turning off their analog. Yes, like turning off, like unless you had some kind of adapter or different antenna or something, the standard, you know, 1979 Rabbit Ear TV was going to cease to receive any broadcast airwaves. In fact, my parents back in Queens had to buy one of the adapter kits. And I remember my father going up on the roof of my house, my child home house, to attach like the, it was like a cord that went off of the antenna on the roof. Because the it was so, the way it would work for, for you kids out there who don't know. So you had an antenna on your roof that looked like some kind of alien signaling device um, <laughs> that would connect with your rabbit ears. So your rabbit ears on your television would pick up the antenna on your roof and your antenna on your roof was picking up the signal in the air and that's how you would get reception and that's why you'd have to kind of like always fuck with the angle of the rabbit ears and such and yeah there was a whole accessory kit when that happened when the digital outlay came over yeah i remember my parents having to do it and when they announced it was i think they gave like a grace period it was like a year maybe they announced or a two-year grace period where you had like a switch over but But well over yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no it's well over i was surprised that's why the rabbit ears kind of made me cock my head to the side i was like i don't think those would actually work anymore maybe there's some uhf channels out there pbs i don't know yeah you know you can get you know the joy of cooking with julia child maybe but (laughs) i I don't know that you're getting any news on there though yeah well anyway i think we're supposed to just gloss on that let's go with it though let's go with the fact that he's doing what he can to reduce technology in their lives or or maybe it's just supposed to illustrate that that this was a terrible idea that that he should have gone and collected mom and not tried to build you know the alamo out of her house oh p.s you guys i have to say uh, being hurricane zoned where do you get all that plywood it is hard to find, you guys. That's not something that like is like, you know, oh, you just have everywhere. And that is something I do want to mention on location-wise. Yeah, perfectly sized play. <laughs> yeah, they're all cut exactly to the windows and the doors. <laughs> right. Because uh, that's how that works, right? Um, but here's, here's the other thing that I want to mention that I was a little boggled by. And, you know, I know it's a little bit not shit out of pepper, right? Um, it's how close all these locations were to one another. Like how close ties mom's house was versus the nsa versus where the bunker was versus whatever like location wise we were joking that nsa stands for your neighborhood security (laughs) because it was like how is everything like within just a couple minutes driving distance really they all get to ride drogan 
It's, <laughs> it's very <laughs> right, which is funny because we talk specific. I think we I feel like we talk specifically about how in the er, in the early episodes uh, we I feel like we talked a little bit about when we were talking about her dad getting out of the hunter in prison and how fast he might yes. be able to get up to the. I did across, question you know, that. And we, we, I think we even made fun of the Game of Thrones travel logic. Mm. But, well, just about the plywood, too, I didn't realize, like, oh, you know, Northern California and Oregon were in the hurricane zones. <laughs> I don't believe they are. <laughs> we, we, we typically <laughs> identify with, though they do get a lot of rain in Oregon. So, you know. Yeah, I but, don't uh, think it's the same kind. It was very funny. Uh, but that being said, it took it took NSA Mason the entire episode to get to his stranded uh, father and mother, a mom with some kind of wheezing disability. I thought for sure she was going to have the virus. I thought that's what that was setting up at the beginning. Oh, of the me too. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was no, so it, surprising when that just sort of just like, you know, kind of chilled out. I thought we were going exactly for like a COVID like situation, which I mean, it kind of made me grasp my pearls there i was like oh geez what's happening right it's landed in america right maybe she's some kind of aid worker or something like that and you know and and maybe it would make sense then that she would have a kid who's in the nsa i thought that's where we're gonna go with it but no it was really just to get mason out of the office but it's daylight dawn has broken by the time he reaches his parents abandoned car who i guess stayed there all night <laughs> they stayed in the car i guess um yeah I mean, some mom industrial wasn't neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, it's a very safe looking industrial neighborhood. But you guys have uh, older parents. Was this a realistic depiction of how they rely on GPS systems of, uh, oh, oh, we're God. at the urgent center. You've arrived at your destination. And like, you know, Harold there is like, yeah, we're here. No, where, yes, where completely. Are we? <laughs> My parents had a whole situation where they were driving with another couple who would not like look up from the GPS to be like, we are going the wrong. They had gone two hours in the wrong direction. Yeah, Waze Mike. gets a little creative. Two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Carolyn and I used Apple Maps a couple years ago at Rehoboth Beach and follow the directions turn for turn without like looking at the entire list of what the directions were going to be. It was really funny. <laughs> and so we get to the end of this kind of cul-de-sac at the beach where there's structures around us. And, you know, in front is just beach access, essentially. And the instructions that Apple sent for the rest of our journey. With our suitcase bags and stuff to go to a, a hotel. Were to get out and walk. <laughs> oh, my get God. Out and walk at the beach access. We weren't staying at, like, the Tiki Hut or something. We, we, we were... This was its way. Like, it didn't bring us to the parking garage or to someplace that was, like, the actual hotel. It just brought us to the beach and then told us to get our suitcases and start walking. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It just got tired. It said, I've taken you far enough. I've done enough. Y'all need to take You're more responsibility own. for your yeah, own right. lives, okay? Right. It's like I brought you through three or four of these New England states. Now just just figure it out. I mean, this You're is enough. Your, your next stop is figure it out. You're fucking so <laughs> right. Yeah, just just get out and walk straight into the ocean. Yeah, right. Jeez, Louise. Like, walk 120 feet north. He's like, what are you talking? Anyway. It is really uh, funny. But yeah, the reliance on it is real. I mean, that, I don't even think it, I mean, like you just said, that we weren't older people. I mean, we were people who just didn't know our way around and just took for granted that this machine would tell us what to do. There's something weird happening in our life right now that caused a little uh, wire um, to cross in my mind when they introduced this Mason character and his helper, Natalie. 
Yes. Uh, yeah. It seemed like it seemed like an, uh, an equal up here, but then actually it turns out maybe she works for Mason. Yeah, she's she definitely junior. Be, she's the she junior. To be junior to him or servient to him in some way. Yeah. So then, just cosmically, in my in my own little, I guess microcosmically, because it's only in my brain. There's this new Mason on the show. There's a man named uh, Michael Mosley who played Mason in another show that we watched. And then just personally, we've been dealing with a man named Mason oh, that's right. uh, in a, a car purchase transaction. So uh, I all of a sudden, I couldn't remember who was freaking Mason. You were like, wait a minute, was he talking to me about that Ford Fusion? No, it was the guy with the parents who are lost. I'm confused. Or, or, or is it the preacher? <laughs> next, the, the, the next time you go to the dealership, you'd be like, did your parents make it to the urgent care? Okay. Oh, exactly. like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> You're like, Mason, you should please tell your parents not to, not to rely on it. It's not real. Get enough sleep, no. children. <laughs> yes. Yes. Next is have to get you, Mason. Yeah. Paul, Paul Rise at the dealership. He's like, I want a car with no electronics in it. Give right. me a car. <laughs> that I have to like, you know, hotwire to start every day. Right. That's hysterical. Uh, the I, I, but the GPS thing I made me laugh because anytime there's any kind of GPS thing on the TV, I always think of the Office episode where Michael gets GPS for the first time in his car and he's with Dwight and Dwight is trying to tell him like, look up, it's clearly sending you in the wrong direction. And Michael ends up following the directions on the GPS screen and he goes into a lake. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he, he arrives back in the office and his first declaration to the office is uh today a computer tried to kill me <laughs> and it's a very funny episode so that's what i always think uh, of that would be like yeah. a good dessert episode you know if someone wanted to go and, and watch this episode of next and then maybe needed like a little come down moment <laughs> uh, like they... a, little, a little palate cleanser a sorbet right. if yeah, you will exactly <laughs> yeah uh that's funny and just to be clear, you guys were going to Rehobo uh, Rehoboth uh, Beach and not Rehoboam from Westworld. You were yeah. not going to see the AI system for this Leia system of Westworld. Mike, so. I'll thank you not to ask us about our personal travels. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we Which AIs we, we do and do not. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Maybe oh, we were, goodness. in fact, in charge of that situation, but we don't want to take any credit for that. Let's get back think? to our show. Uh, Caroline's a host. Well, uh, let's say... <laughs> and not like any of that like old gen where it was like metal body. She's like full like skin. No, I'm like so. supple. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a maze in her scalp. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Ethan bringing up Eliza? We haven't heard Eliza's name, uh, our named our podcast namesake. It hasn't been mentioned in a while, but Ethan's still holding on to that. Says, you know, Eliza was right, and Ty's like, "What are you talking about?" And and how Eliza had predicted that they were going to break up. It's funny what kids pick up on, what they hold on to, what they remember. You think Ty has any kind of like bad feeling here? Like he has taken his son to this now blacked out area away from his mother and family, and maybe it's dawning on him that he has made a horrible, horrible decision here. Two things. Yes, for sure. To answer that question directly, yes. I believe that A, he wishes he brought that goddamn shotgun. And uh, B, that it's just not adding up to what he thought it was going to be, that he was somehow going to find the oasis of where the next was not going to affect him. 
terrible, terrible idea. And it's now he's got to live with it and he's got these people he's responsible for. But to go back to your first point, having 18 years experience raising a kid, I'll tell you that the idea of a concept getting caught in their little craw and just swirling around endlessly until they feel like they need to talk about it is highly realistic. And it would be exactly when we were in the middle of when a gang was attacking the house. <laughs> Looters. It would be exactly then. Where the fuck do you two live? <laughs> My God. <laughs> but it would happen just then people, that one of the children would be like... To this and send help to you. Do you realize that? There were hurricanes on with gangs with marauding gangs and, 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 and shitty car dealers. When the water Rises, they have these little John boats and jet skis and things. And the looters go. The looters are here. World. We have we have we have Paul like recycling his urine for fresh drinking water. Oh God! Like in water world. That's terrible. God, are you guys are dailies? Are you okay? We're fine. It's okay. <laughs> oh God! But but that would be the exact time that a kid would be like, "Do you remember that time when the computer told me that y'all were gonna get divorced?" Like, that'd be the exact time. Really, like, shut up and get the ammunition. Stop talking about. It. <laughs> right. It, it's better if you hold the, the nails in your lips. Yeah, that's how we all do it. <laughs> if your lips are moving, the nails will fall out. So. <laughs> it's their screws. So funny. <laughs> Uh, I think we gave Ty a lot of credit throughout the season for being kind of a woke guy, you know, in touch with his feelings, not very like your typical machismo dad, right? He's a stay-at-home dad, a good father. When he says to Shay on the phone in this episode, it's just how I feel. It was like a real testosterone kind of moment. Like I said something and it makes no sense, but it's what I said. And I don't know, it just kind of struck me as kind of weird. Like, dude. She's in a bunker with, like, the smartest guy on the planet and, like, weapons. You are at Abuela's house with rabbit ears that shouldn't work. Like, I don't know that you've made a good call here, Ty. I, I, what do you think, Caroline? Are, are, are we still okay with what he's done here? Is it still understandable? Or has he taken his pouting session too far by keeping, uh, <laughs> well, by going away? To me, I feel like, you know, we're going back to that episode where Paul said, don't bring the target shit to your mom's house. Stay with your wife, who's way more in the know. Ty went way over the top by taking Ethan away. I don't know about the having the moment where he said that's just how I feel. I don't know. I'm not going to go too hard on that. I'm, I I think that they're trying to have the moment with the audience where they're saying it's okay for men to have feelings, and it's and that's you can even act on your feelings even when maybe you know things aren't going that great. So maybe it's okay, but I. Definitely a, think this was a terrible choice to take Ethan far, far away from the actual information. I think just the way it was delivered, it was a little too thumping his chest and say, me man, me bring food, me make fire. It was a little bit of that to me. I don't know. It just struck me as kind of weird. Do you suppose that they might be trying to set up a plausible defense for Ty to have been completely uninvolved with whatever is going on in the LeBlanc headquarters. I don't know if that is on Ty's mind, but I think the character is definitely trying to distance himself from what Shay did with her father, mm. for sure. I think there's a sheltering away from her because he almost views her as dangerous and maybe radioactive and a threat to maybe not himself, but certainly for Ethan. I, I think there's a safety concern there separate from the next threat that he's trying to sequester Ethan from Shay because she's gone unhinged as he sees it. 
Right. Okay. I, like, like we follow your directions. We go to the place where the guy ties us up and steals our son, and then you have to shoot that guy. So maybe by that logic, we should stop following what you say. Like Ty thinks he has enough knowledge on the next threat to follow his own path to safety. He knows the basics, right? We saw we saw grandma say, you know, I keep saying grandma because of Ethan and I, Boyla just sounds right for her. But, uh, you know, like he he dismantled the phone, the email, the TV screen. There's no video calls. Like he's he's tried to make them kind of as analog as they can be. So he, he knows the basic rules of what Next is doing, but he doesn't have the same kind of up-to-minute information that Shay and the and team Bunker has either. And yeah, I think, I think he's trying to do it his way, the way he thinks it's best to keep Ethan safe from his unhinged mother and the next threat. I think in his mind, he's doing the best balancing act of both of those worlds. Yeah, that's that's a good point. He's, um, because he, he, it's not that he doesn't believe in the next threat. He does. He just thinks that Shay's way is the way where the guns are being fired. And that's that's true. Putting them in too much danger. For his son. Right. They come upon Ethan. Remember the last, the last time they were all together, they came upon Ethan holding a loaded gun cocked at his grandfather. Very true. Things got heated. Right. So, so, so Ty isn't quite ready to move on to just the priorities list, right? He's not just thinking of next. He's thinking of next. Sure. He's also thinking of there's some bad blood of the Jaguar in that fucking family line that i need now to get ethan away from all right that's that's my take on it anyway it's the i think it's the only real and it's the only way that he's kind of defensible in his actions if you take it that way that he's operating on protection from two threats you know shay doesn't see herself as dangerous but when you are the onlooker when you're ty watching the situation and watching how it's already affected ethan he was already kidnapped he already has the thing with guns right because of eliza you know if you're ty watching that situation i think you see where there's two threats here not just next there's next and then the mother threat uh there's actually not a lot left in this episode to talk about i think i need to bring up to you guys I was surprised that we have this all of a sudden Gina love triangle with Gina and CM and Ben. Right. Have you guys picked up on any chemistry between Ben and Gina? That that whole scene was super awkward for me. I to- love that you said that because the second that she was walking away from, I'm going to call that area like a catwalk area because that's what it reminded me of, of like being up above a stage and like that catwalk yeah. stuff. When she walks away from that area, I like looked over at Paul and I was like, I'm sorry. Are they having like a love triangle right now? Is that what we're supposed to be gleaning? I did not see that coming. I did not see the coming either. No, no, no. No, I did not pick up on any hints of Ben's stray glances at Gina or, you know, trying to stay within her proximity or that kind of stuff that shy boys do to to show that they like a girl. I didn't see any of that. Um, Because that's the, just to be clear, that's the triangle that we're supposed to get is that he likes her. She's oblivious to that. Well, she's not, though. She says, I think she says a couple of lines like she was aware that he maybe had feelings, but she had tried and been kind of like just ignoring it. You know, the way the way like, you know, someone likes you, but you don't want to make it awkward and you don't want to like lose a friendship and you also have to work with them, maybe. So you just kind of act like it doesn't exist. She says something to him in a hallway like, yeah, I got that, but I didn't really want to do anything with it. Or she was just feeling herself or she's like, yeah, I mean, everyone wants to bone me. I mean, come on. I don't think it was really that. I think I think it was more like I think she sensed something there. But yeah, I didn't pick up on it. It made me feel like maybe there was like cutting room floor scenes between uh, them, you know, back at the sense. office. Mm. You know, stray stray looks would be those few extra seconds that you might need to cut off to make a an episode 
come to time, you know, or like a hand on a shoulder and then like you pull it away quickly because you realize like you've made yourself feel awkward by doing that. Something like that seems like mm, something new that got yeah. cut. Like I'm touching um, you much longer than the casual <laughs> brushing of the hand. That's yeah. going to be noticed. Like you're rubbing my back with lotion in the middle of the office. Like, that's not proper. <laughs> too much. Right. Too what? far. Why did you, you get lotion? the candles? Right. Why did you light candles and turn off all the lights? That's really awkward. It's like the middle of the day. Who turned on Barry so. White? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Who hired Barry White to come here and sing? Is Al Green still alive? Can we get Al Green to come do concerts? I don't know. Uh, what did you think, Caroline? Were you shocked by the love triangle coming out of nowhere? Yeah, I didn't see this coming at all. I think it's so like, wait, what? I agree with you wholeheartedly. There has to have been either deleted scenes or it's possible, you guys, if we went back, maybe we'd see it. If we, th- if we had it in our mind and we watched just Ben and paid attention to every little thing that he did concerning Gina or anything else, maybe we would pick up on more. So maybe that's a little challenge to our listeners. Go back to episodes one through eight and see if you pick up on the love triangle maybe there was more there every bit of lingering eyes and that kind of stuff that i was alluding to earlier was completely that i noticed between gina and and cm yeah i think they did a great job of bringing them together right because we we talked about this i feel like we we talked about this going back like to episode two or three where gina was like was writing cm really hard before she got to know him but also seemed like attracted to him in some way or like at least some kind of object that she wanted to study but that also repulsed her but there's attraction there right the the, there's a thin line between repulsion and attraction so i think they did a great job of kind of bringing them together and then she got to play nursemaid in the hospital and kept them alive and they've been on the run together and so i think that actually felt very organic the ben stuff felt very out of left field the love triangle of it but that being said what is intriguing is ben's role in snitching on his team to his daddy, Terrence Wilson. What do we think the NSA is going to do here with Next? And did you guys also slap your head really hard when he tells his son, don't worry, we'll get Next under control? (laughs) (laughs) Paul almost just choked. (laughs) I mean, that's that's a classic AI take over the world story line. You know, some military guy has to say that line. It's in the, I think it's in the book, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get it I under was, control. Never worry about that song. I did not see, you know, it's funny though, because for all of the times that we have paid such close attention to family ties and uh, that every character has something going on with family, Ben was sitting out there this whole time and not once did one of us say, how is Ben's family going to end up coming into play? Because everybody else's did. No, but we did say Ben is going to be the weak link in the team loyalty structure, though. We did I mean, say we, that. We, props uh, to that. We did say that from word one. We just thought it was going to be him going up the chain at the FBI. But of course, it's his family. It's going to be through his family that he betrays the team, not through his job. So that is kind of on brand for the show. It just took a while to get to that twist reveal. There's a little bit of that with his dad and um, Natalie that I wish the show had somehow found enough time to grant them a little extra screen time earlier because all of a sudden like we were watching and say with the natalie scenes caroline was like who is this girl you know is is she one of the next plants or is she because because how she kept glancing over so many times over to mason i was like oh does she like what part does she know she's clearly we're supposed to be paying attention to her but then it was like huh what is her deal 
And it's it's funny how they keep showing her like looking over at the servers. Like there's nothing. <laughs> yes, that is that is at, super that the funny. Servers are going to be doing <laughs> like they're going to stick their tongue out at her. Or something. <laughs> right, give her the finger. <laughs> but they, it's very dramatic to like look over and like hear the fans. Right. Maybe maybe it was just because I wanted to see something there. I felt like there was an intensity, like a growing intensity in like the computer noises as if more <laughs> right. uh, as if more were coming online uh, or or. You know, there's that the, the gif out there of furrow brow intensifying, you know, that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like there was it, maybe it was just the soundtrack of the score of the show, but it seemed like there was an increasing intensity of like the whirring noises as if more computers were either coming online or some kind of expenditure was increasing. Yeah, you know, like well, the that's fans the thing. Were whirring faster. Right, right, right. When the when the when the processor intensifies, that's when the, the fan kicks on that higher speeds so it is funny though because just of how many times she looked over and there was like that neener nanny (laughs) kind of feel about it that it was visually funny going back to my original idea though it's not totally uh, a critical thing but it just felt um sudden that we needed these new characters midstream to help round out the 10 episode arc yeah, and, and well, they're necessary for the story also, right? Because you need her to call Mason at the end and say and leave that voicemail where she, you know, exposits for us that there is a growing lag on the server in the server farm because something is drawing more and more power, taking something is growing, something is taking up more and more memory space. It's you know like a like a virus, literally, kind of taking over more and more of their server farm and it's causing a, a growing lag so you know you what might have done it is is if maybe natalie had been at like the intake scene when they were bringing the next server into the little mm. faraday cage or whatever that they put it in if she had been like right. they're signing off on it that might have been just like i don't know the connective a tissue continuity yeah. yeah like introduce her introduce her in seven so we can actually see her or mason doing something in eight yeah 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 what is your computer guy paul and so maybe not in this particular field but i want to know if you knew what is a mainframe activity alert the the screen was not fast enough and the print was too small to say what was happening but at the end of the at the end of the episode when she's getting nervous about whatever next is doing there's like a warning screen that pops up on her computer it says mainframe activity alert i think mainframe i think of like main computer but i didn't know what activity alert could possibly mean yeah i don't work in an environment that uses like that kind of mainframe style technology but if i had to just make up something just because you asked right now it would be that simply just something unusual something out of the ordinary something that breaks a threshold of of normal activity that requires a human to, to look at it and decide what happens next because the <laughs> drink right <laughs> what happens uh, sub- subsequently um, <laughs> um and that's what i can imagine that would that would be like for instance a few years ago i worked at the blood center here in houston and I was looking for a piece of software that was very specific. I don't remember what it was. It was like a font or just, you know, some some image converter or something like that. And when you do that, you can accidentally go to shadowy places of the internet where since they know you want to install something, they might put some piece of shit in that installer that's going to screw up your computer in some way, right? Yep. And so I went to one of those sites and something must have happened 
equivalent to a mainframe activity alert because within three seconds, my phone rang and it was IT saying, did you just go to this website? And I was like, oh, yes, I I did. I was looking for something. And then I explained that they saw that (laughs) 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 and and that I needed to take these corrective steps. I wasn't in trouble, but it was shocking that a for such a um an organization like a nonprofit like that that they would have been so organized but right. you know they're regulated by the FDA so i guess that makes sense but also just the speed with which it happened uh, that a phone sure. call was actually generated to me specifically right then so that's what i'm guessing is 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 just like hey i need a human to look at this had you just explained that you needed to buy guns quickly for the gangs that were about to invade your house, they probably would have been more understanding about your going to the dark web site. Yeah, right. So, right. Uh, for your bid to do your PayPal checkout. Lots um, of guns. Your, your PayPal crypto. Uh, by the way, PayPal now into crypto. Uh, I keep getting offers from PayPal. If like they'll give me like money if I buy like a hundred like dollars worth of crypto, like I get like a twenty percent bonus. So if you're if you're you know into uh, the future of dark web transactions, go get your crypto. Yeah, I don't uh, trust currencies. It. I don't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final questions uh, before we head into the series finale. Sadly, the series finale uh, episodes nine and ten. If you were going to take down an infrastructure and you had water, power, communication, and transportation, what would be the first two that you would attack? Caroline, you go first. Water, power, transportation, and communication. Communication for sure. Communication makes sense to me because uh, we see in this episode next goes after the Alabama power uh, grid first and then the Denver water grid takes those first two things down. And Shay says that they're two of the four infrastructure things that you need to for a society to not fall. You attack water, power, communication and transportation. I can say having been in, in multiple disasters here in Houston area that you can do fine without water and electricity. But the second communication goes down, panic it really sets in. So that that alone really and honestly transportation too because when we're here and, and the flooding starts and we we don't leave the house we can't get out of the house unless you had a boat or you want to swim but we don't and so the, the three typically are knocked out and we're fine so long as we can communicate with everyone the second that that goes down panic is extreme it's only happened once um where we really can't we couldn't we, we had a kiddo who was away from us and that one time boy that that was the worst how about you, Paul? What's What are you attacking first in the four categories of infrastructure needs? Well, if I am an AI and I need certain things in order to keep doing my thing, one of those things is definitely power. And another of those things is probably communication, unless I'm already in that area. So I might limit communication because I might have that ability to wind down the capacity in some way without disabling it completely. But if I'm an AI, I think I would take out water everywhere. It may not be an immediate effect. Like Caroline was saying, you can go a little while if you're a human without immediate access to water. But once your shitter fills up and it stops working and you don't have access to clean water, Things are going to start to get bad for you as a society, you know, if there's no place to go that has this, the, what you need to actually keep living and live cleanly. Referred to as the Cousin Eddie paralysis in the <laughs> in the doomsday prepper lingo. It's the yeah. shitter is full worry. Concern. Yes, yes, exactly. You got it. It's uh, reflective of our times. I think that's where I would go first with the water. 
I think then uh, the transportation also would be something. I don't know how um, effective that would be. I guess you could take out trains and and that kind of stuff pretty easily. Uh, planes would even if even if you probably wouldn't have to do a whole lot to freak people out to the point where no one wanted to fly uh, anything. Air traffic control towers or, or something not working. It would just you wouldn't have to crash any planes. I don't think. Anyway, um, those are the things. If I'm a machine, <laughs> I would attack the things that I wouldn't. You just need. listed all of them, though. Like no, no, you're no, supposed no. to pick like one. I think. I think to an extent, I would still need power and communications to keep spreading my. Okay, seed. so you're choosing water. My seeds and transportation. When I, yes. Okay, Mike. How about when you? I shoot my load across the, the nation and enough. the world. <laughs> It needs to be electronic. (laughs) Your ones and zeros load. Right. So my binary load. Uh, So if if it's to break down society so I can deliver my bio weapon more effectively, I think I'm going after transportation because you shut down transportation, especially in large areas. You shut off all the signals. You block all of the toll gates. You shut them all down. you, You stop all the trains. The effect of that is you keep everyone in place. So you can, especially if you've aerosoled the weapon so you can be delivered by air, you want everyone in place where you can like know where they are. So I would shut down transportation and I would probably start shutting down power because I think that's going to spread panic faster. I would want to try and keep communication open for a while to spread the fear of the thing, right? Because fear and panic where you can't leave because transportation's out and you can't see because the power's out. I think that's a recipe for disaster. People make bad decisions in panic situations, and all of that fear, all of that worry and anger is going to just turn to the weapon being able to deliver faster. So I think I'd go after power and transportation first, if I was an AI bent on delivering a super <laughs> weapon to, del- to destroy human. But even if if you guys look at this, you'll look at this episode, though, had they had it been able to to effectively cut out the communication, which was my pick, then Shay's not talking to Paul and all this stuff's not happening. All those burner phones and stuff, if all of those were, were nullified, what would have even happened in this episode? Very little. Sure. Right. And I agree with that. I agree with that. But also you wouldn't have the ability to know what's happening. So you wouldn't be able I mean, look at our 24 hour, 24 seven news cycle that we live in. How much of those hours are going to be filled with reports of viruses, you know, flesh eating bacteria, killing people at a huge rate. If you don't have that information coming across where people can focus on that because they can't do anything else because you can't go anywhere, you can't go to work, you you can't you can't occupy, you can't play video games because your power's out. But your 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 phone is still working, so you can get uh, yeah. I'm news saying communication. Rewards. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Keep communication up because you want to spread the fear. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Yeah. If people just that's that's that, and actually narratively, it's a great tool to you know tell war of the world. What, yeah. What's happening in the rest of the world? Yeah. Yeah. War War of the World was such a successful radio play that people were actually panicked running in the streets because they were hearing it over the communication lines. It's how we process things, you know. Okay, you guys, let's do predictions for the finale. I'm excited that it's a two-hour one. That's pretty huge. Mike, give us some predictions. I think Paul sacrifices himself in some kind of final way uh, as his redemption arc, because I feel like he hasn't really done enough yet 
to make up for his sins the way he sees them. Um, so I, I feel like he's going to have some kind of big dramatic thing. Uh, obviously, Shay is going to get pinched by the FBI and brought into that detention center. I feel like we've been building to that. We saw it again in this episode. Do you think that's where they leave her as for the whole finale? Like that's where she ends up? Or do you think that the... I mean, that's part of it, but will there be more closure than that? Like, will Ty and her be back together? So the way that she was talking today was very past tense. So I feel like the bulk of whatever's going to happen has happened by the time Shay is there in that FBI office. That's That was kind of my read on it today. Whereas I thought it was more Sarah Connor-ish predicting the future when we saw it in episode two. Tonight's episode made me feel more like it was a lot of stuff has already happened. Because she says, you know, next had one more move, had one more move, and so did Paul. You know, so I think a bulk of something is going to happen before she gets into that room in that scene. So, yeah, and I feel like they think they're going to defeat Next, but Next won't be really dead, which has been my prediction all along. The single blinking light coming back on as the screen goes to credits in the end of episode 10. I definitely think that Paul is going to try to take a bullet in some way, and I don't know if he will be successful in that, but I definitely feel like I've said that since the beginning. Slattery has the hero markings and I, I could see that happening. I feel like with Shay and Ty and Ethan, I hope there's enough time to bring the family back together and to be able to finish that detention story and be able to clean it up and finish it out. But I, I don't know if there's enough time to really be able to do that. And then, like you know, we have Abby and Ted and all these other ones that are just kind of lingering out there. I don't know exactly where we're heading with them. I would like to hope that we can get far enough. I don't know if there could be a time jump. I don't know if there could be any type of thing that could possibly lead us to a feeling of conclusiveness, a, a true conclusion, because I, I don't know that we get that very quickly right now. Like, I don't see them being able to get there fast. So, um, yeah, and I, I definitely and, agree with you. I don't think there's enough time for Ty Shay to uh, reconcile. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's nerve wracking, right? Like it's weird to end the show with the family fractured like that. Like I, I that will feel very un. Yeah, like like the end of Colony, and yeah, and that was in like, the tube or whatever. And, right, yeah, right, and that right, was like yeah. so upsetting. So yeah, so I mean, I, I, I mean, they keep showing Shay as if they're showing it from the ending way back, like as if the detention is the ending, but. I, but man, do I not want that to be? Yeah. Paul, what do you think? I think the only only thing that I can come up with is, you know, we're building up to a grand gesture, you know, grand finale. They've moved to the all or nothing phase. And so whatever they've got planned, whatever they're going to do, it's not going to be, you know, we're going to sit back in the bunker and try to insert the uh, some sort of virus or something from here where it's going to be more hands-on. It's going to be in the thick of, of danger, but that's about it. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of episode eight, some, some sort of the penultimate episode of next. Join us next time for when we discuss the series finale, episodes nine and ten or files nine and ten. Definitely join us for our final our series finale coverage because we're going to have an excellent interview with Manny Cotto. Uh, he's going to sit down and uh, talk to us. Just he was here for the first episode. He'll be here for the last one. So we're really excited to talk to him about how the series sh uh, shook out and all of our questions. So uh, we definitely hope you come back and join us. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Conversations with Eliza, the next podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please remember to leave us five stars if you can. And we uh, thank you for listening. Thanks so much. This is Caroline. This is Paul. And this is Mike. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. 
Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.